0: Hey, welcome back to The Industry. This is Levi Jet. as always. Today, I'm not joined by Carlos Correa. He is out sick. Got a lot to talk about today, including severe weather. So let's go. This is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jet. Severe storms are doing just that, being severe. Um, over the last few weeks, the Midwest and Mid-South have been uh, pretty much decimated by severe thunderstorms, by tornadoes, straight line damaging winds, hail, you name it, we've seen it. I'm um, going to jump right in here and hand it off to WeatherWorks to let them have the first word in weather today, because this is going to be a weather-heavy show today. Uh, we're going to talk about severe storms. We're going to talk about my trip from Kansas to Indiana last week, uh, driving through all sorts of weather, and as we sit Tuesday evening, uh, we're monitoring another uh, severe weather outbreak across portions of Missouri, Iowa, and Illinois. The same exact area uh, that saw a lot of damaging tornadoes last Friday. Without further ado, uh, here's the team over at WeatherWorks.
1: the producer of the Weather Lounge podcast. Today is April 3rd, 2023. Well, one of the biggest severe weather outbreaks took place last week across the central plains. The storm system barreled through. Here are just a couple of quick facts about that event. Over 100 tornadoes were reported from this system across 10 states. The strongest storm was rated an EF4 in Iowa with winds as high as 170 miles per hour. Of course, multiple severe thunderstorms were reported, with the strongest gusts over 100 miles an hour. And also, the strongest storms produced 3.5 inch diameter hail. And unfortunately, 26 individuals lost their lives. As much as this storm brought severe weather, it also led to some wintry weather for the northern parts of the plains, if you can believe it. As much as 14 inches of snow fell in parts of South Dakota, up to a foot for the Twin Cities, along with blizzard conditions. Here in the Northeast, our storm system moved in, and it also produced some severe weather, with a strong line of storms pushing into PA and parts of the 95 corridor, led to multiple down trees, power outages, and even produce tornadoes. As the recording of this, seven tornadoes have been confirmed with, of course, the National Weather Service still going out to survey the damage to give them the proper ratings, although we do know that one tornado in Cinnamonson, New Jersey, through Delran and Morristown was rated an EF1, and another one in Pennsylvania from Wrightstown to Newtown has been also rated an EF1. So, what can we expect heading into the first full week of April? Well, another active pattern will be bringing everything from flooding rains and severe weather to another blizzard. As we go into the western half of the country, another strong system will be moving in, bringing areas of, yes, more snow to the Rockies and Northern Plains, as much as one to two feet of snow through Wednesday. And of course, Along with that, blizzard conditions. The same system, deja vu, to last week's strong storm will be bringing more severe weather across parts of the Mississippi River Valley. And this all translates eastward as we go into the remainder of the week. And here in the Northeast, we'll see this come in the form of a cold front late Thursday into early Friday morning. We'll just have to see how severe it gets. That's all we got for this week. Back to you, Levi.
0: Thanks so much to WeatherWorks. A great update full of facts, full of interesting uh, things about that severe weather outbreak. We're going to dive into it more right now. Um, so they talked about over a 100 tornadoes um, in that outbreak last Friday. Just if if you were in Missouri, if you were in Illinois, if you were in Indiana during Friday and, and even last Thursday, the winds um, ahead of this system, feeding in all the hot, the moist, unstable air into our area, I, they were tremendous. Um, that's the best way to put it. I, I mean, they were tremendous. And if it had just been the wind, that would have been enough to create headlines itself. Uh, the, it's been forever since I have remember seeing or, you know, experiencing winds, uh, that strong for that long. And what you had, you had really, um, a a perfect set of ingredients kind of develop ahead of this. Uh, so oftentimes severe weather outbreak, you know, there's a lot of ingredients that need to happen in order to, uh, to get those storms to pop. And this was one that, because you had so many other conditions that were right. You didn't need some of the classic conditions. Like it didn't need to necessarily be daytime. Um, you didn't need a tremendous amount of heating from the day either. Um, dew points were already high enough. That warm air was in place and something else you had was you had, um, a a very large amount of wind shear taking place at the surface, at the mid level and the high level. Um, all, all three of those wind directions, again, you know, you think of it as layers and that's pretty much what was happening. And each of those layers, uh, just had a slightly different wind direction. And so it kind of that in itself was creating some spin in the atmosphere. And so you already had that taking place. Um, before this front started to move across. And so just so happens that last Thursday, I was in Kansas, uh, drove out um, left here in Indianapolis uh, Thursday morning, straight drive to Kansas, um, stayed the night and drove back the next day, had just a couple of facilities to check out out there. And so, you know, Friday, Friday, weekends here. Um, The only thing I had had really had to do Friday was drive back home. Um, So, you know, knowing the severe weather outbreak was coming, you know, I kind of adjusted my route and took a route that I think was added like 30 minutes to my route. Um, But it, you know, put me in um, kind of a higher risk area you know, to see some storms. And I've been, you know, a, uh, a self-proclaimed amateur storm chaser since I had a driver's license. Um, I'm definitely one of the people that will eventually be killed by a tornado one day, uh, for being too close and, and not knowing what I'm doing, but I enjoy it. It's exciting. Um, it's exhilarating just to see, uh, that side of nature. Uh, so again, you know, I was, I was at it again and, Um, driving through Missouri, you know, again, tons of wind coming out of the South, tons of wind, uh, storms just started to fire up in the early afternoon. Um, wasn't severe immediately. It took an hour, hour and a half ish of, you know, building up and, and, and being around for them to start to get, to have those severe characteristics. Um, but for me, it didn't really get started until, um, I was close to Illinois. Uh, so I took I 72, which led me, uh, right through Hannibal, Illinois, um, or sorry, Hannibal, Missouri, right there at the border, uh, with Illinois. And really from that moment through the rest of my trip in Illinois to get across the state from west to east, I was driving in a tornado warning literally the entire time. Uh just different storms, you know, bouncing around that, you know, just kept getting new tornado warnings to extend. At any given time, I had a storm to the north and a storm to the south that I was able to, you know, kind of view from a little bit of a distance from the interstate. And no don't get me wrong, you know, I mean these these storms uh very often, you know, would kind of come down and, and, uh, swipe the interstate, you know, here, or there. Uh, and then a few times, you know, I got off the, got off the main road and, um, explored in some towns to see if I could, you know, again, get close enough to a storm to really see something. And, um, you know, I, I did have, um, some straight line wind, um, experiences, uh, really thought my truck was going to get flipped at one point. Uh just I was sitting there parked and was watching a storm and really thought I was watching a tornado um at one point and there were there were other people around and you know everybody had their phones out and then it was funny because like all of a sudden they got in their car and they left and I'm just chilling sitting there and then all of a sudden like this huge gust of wind comes through, about knocks me over. Um I get back in the truck. And, you know, as I'm trying to drive away, the wind is just rocking that truck back and forth, back and forth, back. And I'm like, man, like, I just need to get going like away from the wind. So I have that pushing me forward, you know? Um, but you know, taking that at a, uh, a, at a perpendicular angle that, um, th- that was pretty intense. Um, I had the wind actually you know, move my truck from one lane to another, uh, because the rain was coming down so hard, creating that ponding effect and, uh, creating that hydroplaning opportunity. Uh, but yeah, the wind, you know, again, thanks to the water on the road was able to just kind of literally, I mean, push me from the right lane into the left lane with minimal effort. Um, I, I didn't even, you know, touch the wheel to try to guide it because it was blowing. No, like this was, I had a hands on the wheel pointed straight ahead and it just, um, which, you know, that was a very eerie feeling. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, hail, um, tons of lightning, um, you know, saw a lot of damage, uh, there was a few places that I got to like right after a tornado had went through, um, that, you know, had, you know, down trees everywhere. Um, you, you could see, um, uh, facility damage, structural damage, uh, taking place. And so about the time I got into Danville, Illinois, it got to the point where it was too dark anymore to really see anything. Um, you know, so you would need the, you know, the, the lightning to help you see, which, you know, anyone will tell you that's no real way to chase anything. Cause that's just dangerous at that point. Um, so at that point, the goal changed to, all right, let's get home. Uh, we had, you know, storms, uh, threatening, you know, the area where I live. Uh, so it was a race to get home before those hit, uh, and thankfully, I did because, um, you know, my family was just standing outside watching, uh, waiting for something to happen. And so I had to, you know, come in here and kind of, you know, set the tone of, hey, you know, w- we need to get to, uh, a, uh, safe space. And, you know, thankfully, uh, we did, but, uh, had a tornado come, I don't know, maybe two miles ish from the house. Um, hit just to the north of town and uh was rated right an e f three um tornado uh really tore up uh some factories, a lot of houses um in Whiteland Indiana is where that ended up hitting and I heard just today I think the final count for tornadoes in Indiana was twenty uh for that Friday, which. You know, if you ask him, any Hoosier will tell you, um, that doesn't happen around here very often. Uh, not to say we don't get tornadoes. We do. Um, but generally speaking, they're short lived, um, they're rated fairly low on that Fujita scale. Um, and you know, it's not a huge number of, uh, of, of tornadoes either, Uh, So this was a one of those very, very rare days uh, that you don't see too often. Um, And then to, you know, further um, look at what happened last Friday. So the Storm Prediction Center um, of the National Weather Service, you know, they have uh different risk ratings they use. And so last Friday they actually used the highest level of rating they have uh, for tornado probability. And they used that over a uh section of uh tri-state area of Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois and then also um a little bit more in the south around uh like your Memphis area. Uh, a little bit into Mississippi, uh, I think maybe as a small section of uh, Missouri and some of Arkansas was uh, was in that second area, and which again, you know, they not saying that doesn't happen, but I think the last time it did happen was three or four years ago. So again, kind of a rarity uh, with them issuing, you know, any. Really, any high risk, w- whether it's tornado or um, hail or wind, that high risk is reserved for the most dire of of, of uh, pending circumstances. Uh, you know the the weather California's had all winter long the severe rain and the severe snow. You know I saw them use the the high risk for uh, for flooding and excessive rainfall. And they even made the comment with that, that, Hey, you know, this is the worst of the worst. So again, it's just something that you don't typically see, um, especially in, in some of the areas that we saw these storms again, Iowa, no stranger to tornadoes, neither is Illinois and certainly not Missouri. Um, but I think those, those higher risk tend to stay further to the South maybe back over, you know, further a little bit west into the plains. Um, Because really, I mean, that heightened risk was, shoot, I don't know, maybe I would say, I don't know, maybe 75 miles from Chicago. Um, Not necessarily the city, but, you know, the uh, Chicagoland area for sure. And, you know, you think about that and it's like, man, you know, that area does not, they're not used to a tornado outbreak situation. It doesn't happen every year or multiple times a year. Um, Like you might see in, in, you know, in Texas or Louisiana or Mississippi or Oklahoma. Um, And I'm sure by now you're asking, okay, like why is he talking about this? Uh, This is not a weather podcast or at least not a, you know, straight weather podcast. Um, and, And one of the reasons is, the stuff that I saw out of people during uh, my travels on the interstate, it's no wonder why we have some fatalities during these storms. And I'm I'm not trying to be cruel, not trying to be mean or, or, or poke fun at, you know, people dying from storms, certainly not. But, you know, when you're driving, like you have to know what to do. And camping out underneath an overpass is not what you're supposed to do. Um, that actually you know makes the wind around you worse acts as a wind tunnel. It helps focus that wind. And so thinking you're safe, um, yeah you know, again, like I, I'm I understand the mentality. like I understand the thinking behind that for sure. Um, but again, it, it's just something that you should not do. Um, they always talk about, you know, finding a ditch or a low lying area, um, to, you know, to use that. Um, or again, you know, even if you're, if you're able to find somewhere to pull off and actually, you know, take shelter in a building, um, you're probably going to be better off, um, than, you know, trying to stay in your car. Uh, again, that's something else just because you're in your car does not mean that you're safe, um, And just seeing how many people were, were camped out under these, these overpasses. And and then a, so you, you have your, your, your primary uh, issue is that camp being camped out under that overpass uh, is more dangerous because the winds can actually reach higher speeds, but you have your secondary issue. And the secondary issue is that you're on an interstate. And, you know, some of these people, including myself, are kind of numb to driving in severe weather, whether it's snow or whether it's thunderstorms, you do it enough, you get kind of numb to it and you don't need to drive 35 miles an hour with your flashers on. You're still going to go to interstate speed. And so now you, you got all these people camped out on the shoulders, taking up space and they, you know, they try to exit and hop right back into the flow of traffic. Uh, which, again, is especially dangerous. Um, so, again, kind of un- unintended consequences of, of trying to seek shelter, but, you know, something to definitely watch for if you find yourself on the road in these conditions, but also something to avoid if you're the idiot taking shelter under an overpass. Um, that's, again, just a huge, huge, uh, huge red flag in your storm prepping. Um, And then – When you're driving, you know the tornado is one thing, but the straight line winds, you know that's that's a huge issue too. You know these meteorologists, you know they are they are paid, they have jobs to help give us advanced warning, and so you know very similar to when there's a heavy snowstorm or a blizzard forecast, um you know, they're telling you that to keep you off the road. Um, and I, I understand some people have to travel. I I get it, but the majority of us don't, the majority of us can push our plans back for a day or a few hours or whatever necessary to not have to spend, um, our efforts to drive through a horrible storm. And really, you know, cause at that point, if, if you need to be rescued or if you need help, you're taking away resources from those who really, really need it. And that maybe they live in the path of whatever happened and you're just commuting to it. So those damaging winds, again, is something where it, it's, it's blind. It's, you can't see it, right? I mean, it's, it's wind and you don't know when that 70 or 80 mile an hour gusts is going to come out of nowhere and blow your car into a ditch. Um, You know, I, I just talked about how when you have that ponding on the water and you mix it with the wind, it, it, it's just like being on an icy or snowy road and having to deal with a tough wind. You know, it, it's really easy for your vehicle to move at that point and be pushed across the road. And that's something that, again, you that's why you need to be off of the road. That's why you need to find a safe spot to take shelter, to wait out the storm, let it pass. Again, you know, trust me from, from experience, you know, letting the storm pass and traveling 30 minutes after it passed is a hell of a lot easier than, you know, having to, having to drive in the storm for, uh, for, how, for however long, you know, because Most of the time, you're not going to be able to go the speed you want. It's hard to see, you know, you you got a bunch of dumb people out there that don't know how to drive in this stuff. that's another thing, the use of your four ways. All right. Four ways aren't the it's raining alarm or it's snowing alarm, right? Like that's dumb. If it's, if it's raining kind of moderately and you're just kind of having a little bit of trouble seeing, don't turn on your four ways. Because you forget they're on. And when your four ways are on, you can't use your turn signal. So you're just making moves out there thinking that you're doing the right thing, but no one knows your intentions. And once again, if if the conditions are bad enough that you think you need your idiot alarm on, uh, then why are you taking that risk of leaving those on and not being able to tell people what you're doing. You know, the use of the four ways, I'm not knocking the use entirely, but what it's designed for is either to mark you on the shoulder because you're stopped, or if you're driving down the interstate or something and you know, you see all the traffic in front of you is coming to an abrupt stop. You throw on your four ways to alert traffic behind you. Hey, pay attention. And once you see the traffic that's in your immediate vicinity react and stop, shut them off. Uh, A couple years ago, maybe three or four. Now I was, uh, I think up in Minnesota. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, and driving down a road and there was a chance for ice. Uh, but again, like temperature was right there on the border. Uh, the precipitation was right there on the border and all of a sudden like that, you know, you started to realize, Oh shit, I'm not driving on wet payment anymore. This is ice. And it was one of those things where everyone around me, including me, we were all going way too fast to be driving on ice. Um, and, you know, I put my four ways on and it's like, you know, you, you wanted to, um, people to read your mind of like, Hey, like, why is this guy's four ways on what's going on? Um, but you know, it, it's for that. But once you, again, once you have the attention of those close to you in the traffic, turn them off, cancel them, be done with it. They don't need to stay on until you get home. That is not what they're designed for. Um, Anyway, back to my original point here. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about it because, again, we're into landscape season. And anytime there is severe storms at all, let alone an outbreak, you know, outbreaks completely different from your run-of-the-mill severe thunderstorm watch, maybe a couple of severe thunderstorm warnings, and maybe, maybe you know, like one tornado warning, maybe. But anytime you get, you know, a, a wind event or a severe thunderstorm event or a tornado outbreak, you need to make sure that you get to your clients that may have been affected by that. Like as soon as you possibly can do not waste any time, get out there. So this past one happened on a Friday. You know, and some of those businesses, they might not open back up until Monday because that's just how it goes. If you were able to get out there over the weekend and kind of assess if they have damage or what's going on, what you can help with, it goes a long way in building that relationship and strengthening that relationship between you and your client. Um. You know, you don't want to be the, the odd contractor out that doesn't come through to check up on people, even if you get to a site and it's just fine, you know, just to stop in and say, Hey, just want to, you know, I'm I'm not here to do service. Just wanted to, you know, check up on you guys and make sure that everything is good from the storm. You know, I, I guarantee that gets you some brownie points, right? And that's what we need to be doing. And, and snow providers the same. You know, this is even if you don't have the contract for landscaping, this is still, I mean, you're, you're still a provider that works for that facility. And if you got the time, I would go out and again, same thing, just, Hey, just out here, you know, cause you, this time of year, anyway, you're doing your post-season inspections. So, you know, why not go out there and, and, and knock out the post-season inspection, knock out a quick little site visit. Um, you know, makes you look good as a provider, but like I say, it really does a lot to to strengthen that uh, relationship. And especially in a big time wind event, I mean, all sorts of things could have happened at that site. I mean, trees knocked down, fences knocked down, signs, um, roof damage, siding damage. Uh, They could have, you know, huge debris ball, from a mile away that got blown into the yard, you know, you don't know, but that's the point, you know, you need to go out there and make sure that um, your clients, that your interests are doing. Okay. You know, you're going to check your friends and your family first, you know, but after that get out there and, and see how your clients are faring. Um, Cause I, I guarantee that goes further than you think that it will. Um, and it's something else that I don't know, like I've kind of been talking to some people about lately is the idea of, you know, cause in, in winter and snow season, we're often giving our clients weather updates all the time. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's once a week, uh, maybe it's just before, you know, an event and you don't really have any sort of cadence besides just when it's needed, Um, but if you think about it, you know, you have that weather update coming from, you know, I don't know, the end of October, the beginning of November, running all the way up until right about now. Um, and so you have about half of a year now where they don't have any sort of update for the weather. And you'd be surprised how many people don't pay attention to the weather at all. Um, and, you know, 2023, I mean, you can get weather on your phone in 40 different ways. It's on every TV station. You know, I mean, there, there's so many different ways you can get weather information. And there are so many adult people out there pay no attention to it at all. Get caught off guard because it's raining. They get caught off guard because the cold front came through. They get caught off guard because it's hotter than they thought it was going to be. You know, and, and it happens every day all over the world. Um and your clients not any different, right? So I'm not telling you to, 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 to give them a daily weather update every th- for 365 days a year, no. But especially in times like this, when you have a forecasted severe weather outbreak that is coming into your service area, it's not a bad idea to, to send out something, it doesn't have to be crazy in depth you know to just say hey wanted to make sure everybody is aware you know because at the end of the day you know this is about you know it's saving lives it's reducing property damage it's making sure that people are prepared you know your your email to your client that may have been the only correspond only communication that they heard about the weather I, I I know it's a stretch because it's, it's so much in your face, but it could have been the only one they read and paid attention to though. And again, that can make a huge difference. Um, but, you know, having just having your, your hand on the situation on these weather events throughout spring and summer, maybe it's a heavy rain event, you know, that customer is really going to appreciate the heads up. And that's really all that I'm trying to get out there with that is we need to think more in terms of, we are a 365 day provider than a provider only when it snows or only from the months from December to March or November to March or whenever winter is in your area. Um, I did hear in that, in that weather Works update about the North side, or I guess the cold side of that storm, uh, dropping, you know, uh, heavy snow blizzard conditions across the upper plains and, um, upper extremes of the Midwest. And I, I just refuse to talk about it. Um, it, it's, it's April 4th. It was 82 degrees here today. I'm, I'm, I'm done with winter. Uh we can we, we can get back to talking about snow later on in a couple of months. Um but for now let's let's keep it warm, let's keep it nice. I like these vibes a lot more than the 20 and 30 degree uh feelings for sure. So um let's see here. So going going forward with what we're expecting in the Midwest for the rest of today into tomorrow. Um, so as we're, as I'm recording this right now, it's 8 30 PM Eastern time on Tuesday. Uh, we have active tornado warnings happening across Illinois and, um, Iowa storms are supposed to continue, uh, like that through the, uh, next, I don't know, four or five hours probably before they start to kind of die off. um, and then tomorrow, the, the severe focus shifts, um, ever so slightly a little bit East. And so tomorrow you're going to have states like Michigan and Indiana and Ohio and Kentucky, um, kind of all in play, uh, for a severe weather outbreak. Um, so far the, uh, the highest impact area for, uh, tornadoes is going to be throughout Michigan and Indiana. Uh, so folks in Indiana, it looks like from the I-70 corridor to the North, uh, running all the way through Michigan is under a, uh, quote unquote hatched area. Uh, so I'll explain that here in just a second, because I'm going to give you guys a resource if you don't know about it. Um, so I mentioned earlier the storm prediction center. Uh, so the website, spc.noaa.gov, uh, that is the storm prediction center website and what these people do. They are based out of Norman, Oklahoma. They do a seven day outlook for severe weather and they have all of these, uh, different tools and models that, you know, is available for you to look at. Um, they're, they're updated throughout the day. And they're they are really my go to when it comes to severe weather. Uh, that's what I look at and and trust beyond anything else that I see, uh, especially as far as identifying those potential risk days ahead. Um, but the hatched area that I was referring to. So if a risk is uh, kind of particularly high they'll put this little hatched kind of shading area over, uh, over that section of land to represent that. And that's what they have for, again, Indiana, I-70 points North, Michigan through a, a large section of Michigan, I think maybe extreme Northwest Ohio, um, is in that too. Uh, but that's where your tornado risk is the greatest. I expect this to maybe be upgraded a little bit by tomorrow morning, um, to maybe have like a smaller, uh, smaller section within that hatched area, uh, that might be uh, a little bit higher of a threat. Uh, sounds like all modes will be possible. Uh, but again, you know, if, if you're a provider out there in Ohio, uh, really from Ohio to, to, uh, Iowa, um, down to Arkansas and kind of just connect that triangle there. Um, you know, you really need to be, and I, I hope you have by now anyway, um, getting out to your sites and really doing, you know, some damage surveys, um, you know, to have your customers back, uh, the, the mid South, the Dixie South, if you want to call it that, um. You know, this is not their first round of, of severe weather. They've been getting beaten up for weeks. Um, but again, up here in, in, in this part of the Midwest, uh, this is kind of, you know, new to us for this season, for this year right now. Um, so still kind of getting used to things. But again, you know, don't miss out on a chance to, uh, better your relationship. And, and again, let's be honest, I mean, it's, it's storm cleanup, so it's, so it's going to be out of scope. Um, so it's going to be a way that, you know, you can, um, you know, sell some extra services too. Uh, but it's, it's, it's no doubt going to be, uh, appreciated there. So, um, we're just about done with this episode. Uh, just wanted to shout out a couple of things real quick. Um, so my stepson Corbin, he has started his own candle making business called Corbin's candles. Um, And so he is working, he's doing that to kind of like save and invest money for himself. And he's also wanting to use some of the proceeds to donate to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which I've told you guys about before. Uh, My stepdaughter, Bailey, his sister has cystic fibrosis. Um, And so he is doing that to help, you know, uh, donate uh, to that foundation who has, you know, helped Bailey through the years, uh, and, and still continues to, um, but I make that plug, uh, we're gonna be sharing, uh, ways to get that, um, as far as, um, how to order, we're setting him up a store, uh, right now, he's actually doing really well, um, he's got a few, uh, few different deals right now in place with actual, uh, like craft stores to sell his product, uh, which I think is really cool. He's 10 years old, uh, just turned 10. So really cool thing that he is doing. Um, so if, if you want to support that, um, you can reach out to me, uh, direct through LinkedIn and I can, uh, put you in contact, um, uh, with my wife and, you guys can make it all happen, but uh, here in the next week or two, we'll have a website to share for him too. Um, and then let's see here, going forward, um, for the show. So next week should be back on our regular, uh, regular cast of characters. Should have Carlos back uh, again. You know, he was sick um, this past week, and then. Uh, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We're going to be bringing on Chris Hempel, who is a uh, um, Indiana-based kind of nuisance animal remover. He's done landscaping before. He's going to be a great conversation, I really think. Um, We're also going to be bringing back uh, Chris Kelly here pretty soon uh, for another conversation with him, which really should be a good one. Uh, getting him and Carlos going, that will be, that might get us, uh, shut down. I I don't know. Maybe. Um, and yeah. And then I think that's, um, really about it in the way of guests coming up. Hmm. Not really sure. We're going to have Dan on at some point too. Um, he's going to be kind of a, 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 Debbie downer for us. Um, not sure when he's coming on though, but we're, we're definitely going to have him on. And then I'd like to some point soon, maybe in May, um, try to get kind of a panel together, um, to maybe kind of put a, put a wrap on the on the snow season that was. So maybe get, you know, a few different points of view from a few different people to have kind of a panel style show, um, to really just, you know, send, uh, the winter snow season of 22 and 23, uh, to bed and be done with it. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Be sure to like, share our stuff, no matter where you're getting it, uh, rate us, leave comments, suggestions, whatever, email us, reach out, let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what we could do better. Let us know what you want to see. Uh, but we do appreciate all the support that we get on a weekly basis, appreciate WeatherWorks. and until next time, thank you for joining the industry. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working
1: class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review.